Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. I don't remember who said this, but it was a great quote. They said, "There's the, the two most important days of your life is one, the day you were born, the second, when you realize why you were born, right? And it, when you figure that out, then it, it isn't an option. You, you do whatever it takes. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome to the Truth Description Podcast, episode number 42. Today I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing David Nagel. Hey, David. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And we're going to jump right in. Let me give you a little bit of background on David, a um, uh, gentleman who never finished high school. In September of 1989, he had a terrible uh, skiing accident, a water skiing accident, uh, with broken bones and ripped flesh and all kind of uh, calamity to his body. And out of that situation, he decided, hey, listen, I need to, uh, there's only, uh, you know, you got one life to live. The time is now and let's figure out how we can do it. Um, David is the uh, author of um, the million, the, the uh, national bestseller, The Millions Within, and he's a, uh, a leadership coach um, throughout the U.S. So, David, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, David, let's jump right into uh, to the truth prescription. Um, for my uh, old listeners know this, but for my new guests, uh, all the premise of the show is that all successful people, no matter what their industry is, have had to deal with and go through certain truths. And was once they actually accepted those truths, really took them in and said, you know what, I'm going to take this on, that they were able to move forward in, in, in their lives and become more successful. So, David, um, we'll start with... Well, I'll give you a choice. You could do personal or professional. What do you want to start with? Let's do it personal. Beautiful. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a string here. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, when I first started the show, most people would say professional. And so I think, you know, people are feeling a little bit more comfortable. So let's, let's jump into the personal. So tell us a, a personal truth story. So uh, you mentioned the water skiing accident. Yeah. And I think that's where the first truth really came in for me because um, as that accident was happening, I got sucked through a dam and... I uh, came out the other side of the dam and, you know, instinct says get to shore. And I couldn't get there because the current was too strong. Okay. So the river took me around this island where there was this long branch hanging over the water. And I grabbed onto this branch. And when I pulled my hands out of the water, I realized I had ripped the skin off my hands. And I saw a lot of blood. I was, I was, I realized I was injured. I just didn't know how bad at the time. And I'm holding onto this branch and I knew that two miles down the river, there was another dam. I couldn't get to the island because the current was too strong. So I started to buckle the, the, I started to unbuckle my life vest and, and put the branch inside of the vest and buckle myself to the, to this branch. And I realized, you know, I mean, all the things you could think about as this is going on, 
I'm trying to figure out how to survive. Yeah. And I went, it was in the army. And I remember the drill sergeants told us, if you're ever in a life and death situation, if you can think your way through it versus going into shock, you have much better chance of survival. So I'm thinking, what do I think of first? And my life, they, you know, they say your life flashes before your eyes. And it, so it did. And I came face to face with the truth that I was not able to get myself to do the things that I needed to do to be successful. And at that time in my life, it was like graduating high school. I had started a family. I was driving a forklift, working on a dock. I couldn't pay my bills. Um, and I was really stuck. And I said, you know, God, if you, if you let me live today, I will figure out why I can't do this or haven't been able to do this. And then I'll spend the rest of my life teaching other people how to do the same thing. So that was the first major truth, you know, face to face, heart to heart with myself that I had to accept that I was not following through with things that I should have been doing. It wasn't that I didn't know what to do. I just wasn't doing it. I've heard you say in some of your interviews that, you know, one of the main challenges for folks is to really assess and analyze where they are now. Like, yeah. you know, people focus on, you know, the, the millions they're going to make, but they don't assess where they are now. I think that was a really great example of you being in such a, a tough situation and being able to sort of look at it and say, well, this is my life. What's happening to me right now? You know, I, right. I'm, I'm not able to to uh to move from here how are you how did you i mean just tell us the rest of the story how did you actually you know you're you're tethered to this branch through your life jacket how did you eventually get saved well this is this is something that that's always kind of fascinating me there a guy shows up on this island with a radio and he says i found him i don't he was i think he was talking to the ottawa river rescue and he was giving them directions as to where i was so these guys come up in this boat they pull me into the boat and I'm, I'm really trying to get my bearings and comprehend what just happened. And, you know, it was very surreal. And the guy in the boat kept telling me, he's like, you have no idea how lucky you are. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just to get me to, he's like, no, man, he was, you need to listen to me. He said, you have no ideas. This does not happen. He said, you're only two people, two people that have gone through this. We have people go through this dam every year. You're only the second person to survive and you're walking. The other guy was, a, ended up being a paraplegic. So, I got out of the, I got, they got, they get me to shore. I'm walking around kind of in a daze. I'm looking for a family. There's no family there because my whole family was on the boat and there's nobody there. There's an ambulance. They're like, you need to get in the ambulance. I'm like, no, just where's my family? I want to go home. Right. They're like, no, you need to, you need, you need to get in the ambulance. And this little guy comes up to me and he grabs me and he's like, Mr your rear end is really going to hurt in the morning. And I turn around and looked and realized that the whole right side of my swimsuit was gone. And it looked like somebody had beat me with a baseball bat. And I was like, oh, I'm really hurt. It was just I had so much adrenaline going through me, I didn't realize it. So I had broke my back. Um, they put me in the ambulance. My family showed up. And then it was a process of healing. But before you knew it, I was back on the forklift again at work. And I thought to myself, this happened for a reason, but what do I do now? Where do I go from here? So I got really over a period of a short period of time that happened in uh, in September. Come February of that year, I was so frustrated at work, I couldn't even see straight. And I had like an emotional meltdown in the back of the trailer one night. And I was like, God, what do I need to change? What is what 
do I need to do? How do I get out of this situation? Because logic said, and this is pre-internet, right? Logic said, you have to go back to school. You need to go to college, get an education, build a career. But I didn't have the time or the money to do that. I was working six and a half days a week. And a little voice in my head said, David, change your attitude. And I, that's where I started, right there. So the, the dam woke me up to life is short. If you're going to do something, you better do it now. The breakdown in the, in the trailer was really a change of, you know, you got to change something upstairs if something's going to change. And when I did that, because I changed three main things in my attitude, my income tripled in a month. I went from 20,000 a year to 62,000 a year. That got my attention so much I had to figure out what I did. So that's where it started. <laughs> that's where it started. It's, it's beautiful. All right. Um, so that was a personal truth. Let's jump into professional. In your in your work, I mean, in your work as from a forklift forklifted to what you're doing now. So it was a period of studying for about seven years to find out how it was possible for me to make this shift because my life just kept getting better and better and better. And I only changed three things. I started acting like I love what I did. And then I found something that I loved that I was doing. I was doing every job to the best of my ability and I was treating people with respect. Those three things I was not doing prior to that. And it was kind of astounding to me that I could be having this much change in everything that I, in my life, in reality, when I only changed these three things in my head. So I began to study and I figured out what I did. And when I met my mentor, he told me, he's like, you're an unconscious competent. He said, so you stumbled across doing the right things. You just don't know how you're doing them. And he said, the biggest problem with that is that if something changes, you won't know what to change to adapt to it. So going into what I started helping people on, you know, like on this, like friends and co-workers and stuff and their lives some of them would change some of them wouldn't and i realized i had a passion for doing this so i started it as a business as a coach i started doing seminars and speaking and that type of thing and the the second truth that i woke up to was that i had an extreme fear of all the naysayers that told me that I would never make it because they thought I was crazy for leaving my corporate job, right? So like you have a family of bills, you have this whole, you know, how can you possibly do that to start something that they thought was ridiculous to begin with? Um, and what happens if it doesn't work? Right. <laughs> so I had, the, I, re, I remember, I remember I needed to make sales for a seminar and I was sitting there staring at the phone. I couldn't even get myself to pick up the phone. And I'm like, you need to break through this really quick because you're going to be out of business in a month if you don't. What's going on? And as I really looked at myself, I realized that what I was really afraid of was that if I failed, everybody else around me would say, I told you so. And that was too painful to even think about. So I was like, this is not going to happen. And from that moment on, I I picked up the phone and just moved forward and never looked back. Okay. So uh, the professional truth was recognizing fear of the naysayers. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Let's jump into some questions. Let's talk about the concept of people recognizing. We, we touched on this a little bit, but people recognizing where they are and maybe give us an example in one of your clients where that, that applied. Well, I just, you know, a couple of years ago, I worked with a woman came to me. She was a teacher and she was making 38,000 a year math teacher. She had various ironic, yeah, <laughs> various different things that she had done experientially. She was a doula. She had, you know, helped a lot of different people in different ways, but she didn't know how to get out of being stuck. 
And she was, she was thinking from the perspective of how do I expand where I am in order to make the money? And I got her to start thinking about what her gift was. The problem was she didn't think she could make any money with her gift. So that's where we, that's where we started with her. And within a couple of years, she went from 38,000 a year to 167,000 a month. <laughs> so big, right. big difference, big difference, big difference. Yeah. but it's all about starting where the person is and then okay. working them out of that first mindset, getting them to be able to conceive that they could do something much bigger and see the value in, in what they have and then giving them a strategy to be able to do it. I know that, and you mentioned it, uh, you've studied great people, yeah, right? Um, rich people, great leaders. What What is for you the unifying theme regarding their thought process and how, um, you know, people you work with can sort of replicate that? Personally, I think that it's something that they have to do. I personally believe that everybody's born with a purpose, that we have a divine purpose, call it whatever you want, universal purpose, whatever, whatever you believe that it is, but it's definitely a purpose. And I think that until we reach a certain point in our own maturity, we, we're afraid to acknowledge what that is because it's really the, the life, our life essence. Once we, once we acknowledge what it is and we really see what it is, it's not an option not to do it. And I see that with every single person that I've ever studied. It was, they would sacrifice everything, anything in their life in order to be able to do what it is that they did. And if you study the biographies and you see these people in the documentaries around them, you see that they gave up just about everything in their life to be able to do whatever it is. There was like, in, like, um, uh, an obsession. We call it a magnificent obsession, right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. Magnificent obsession that no matter what, this is what I'm here to do. And, and that's what's going to be done. And whatever it costs me to do it, if I have to sacrifice things in my life, and usually when we talk about sacrifice, it's giving up something of a lower nature to gain something of a higher nature, you know? But yeah, it's an, it's, they have to do it. it. It's a have to. They have no other choice. No, because you're, it's, you're denying yourself. You're, uh, when you realize why you're here, you know, I, I don't remember who said this, but it was a great quote. They said, there's the, the two most important days of your life is one, the day you were born, the second, when you realize why you were born, right? And it, when you figure that out, then it, it isn't an option. You, you do whatever it takes. Okay. All right. So I've heard you also speak about environment, right? Our environment, how important our environment is. Environment being the people, the places, and the things that are in it, right? Yeah. Of those three people, places, the things, what do you think is the most important if a person can only choose one in a, in a given, if they're starting their journey and they have a, you know, they, they only have one thing they can change? People, yeah. We're raised by people. And prior to the age of seven, we're absorbing everything that they believe, their values, the way that their ethics, the way that they do things. And it really forms the foundation of how we think before seven years old. So subconsciously, the how we think tells our conscious mind what to think about what we're experiencing when it comes to the places and the things. So if we continue to surround ourselves with people that think the same way, then we're just reinforcing beliefs that keep us in the same place. You have to be around people that think differently. There's an old adage that your income's the average of your five closest friends. <laughs> and I've never seen that not to be true. Uh, so 
but it's with everything. It, it doesn't matter what you want to change. If you start hanging around people that are better than you are, that know more than you, and you, you know, you really shut up and just listen, um, it, you know, it rubs off. And here's, a, here's something else that's important. Whatever you don't consciously reject, you subconsciously accept. So if you're around people that are just talking negative all the time, they're, they're victims to their world. That's where they're coming from. And not to say that they haven't experienced victimization. They, I'm sure that they have, but they don't know how to break free from it. Eventually you'll start subconsciously accepting that and you'll start experiencing victimization in your own, in your own life. And you'll think that it's something that it's happening to you, but really you're creating it yourself. Crazy. That's so true. So true. My last question is about, you said something I thought was so interesting that people make money their God. Just talk a little bit about that concept and why people shouldn't. So this goes back thousands of years, right? So it's been written in religious texts. It's in all the seven major religions in the world. It's been talked about theoretically by a lot, a lot of different people. If you really look at every decision that we make, you can trace it back to some financial component in your life. So if we're trapped financially, if we believe that we can't earn the amount of money that we want in order to live the life that we're truly put here to live, then those decisions are going to be based partially on the fact that we don't have the resources to do it. If a person breaks free of that, no, they don't, they don't think that way anymore. They don't think about what it's going to cost. They think about what am I going to contribute? How, how is this going to help me? How's this going to help other individuals? And then, then when they make the decision, do that, they know that the resources and if money is one of those resources, it's going to show up. So they've actually mastered that in their life. The majority of the world goes through their entire life and they don't master that that skill set. So we teach people how to master that skill set so it's no longer part of the equation when they make a decision to do something in their life. But but if you think, I mean, that's why it's that's why it it, it says, you know, it's the love of money, right? Right. That's that's right. the, the root that's of all evil, right? Because money's causing them to the lack of money is causing them to make the decision. Not coming from a place of abundance. It's an abundant resource. I don't have to be really concerned with how much I need to do something because I, I know how to actually bring that into my life to be able to do it. All right. So let's jump into a section of the show we call Yes or BS. So I'm going to make a statement and then you can say yes or BS. And if you want to expound on it, it's up to you. If not, we can move on. Number one, rules are for fools. Yes. Okay. Number two, I think I know your answer to this, but I have to say it anyway, because I think it's a great quote. The opposite of the question is the answer. Yeah, uh, That's yes. <laughs> you want me to expand on that one? Yeah, 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 yeah please do. So there's a it, law, it, there's a universal yeah. law called the law of polarity. And it's one of the laws that I teach people to help them break through the idea that they can, that they can accomplish something that they can't see. Because everything has an opposite and it's equal and opposite. But what they don't understand about it is that it's connected and it's in the same place at the same time. So if you're experiencing something that you don't have, the thing that you want has to be around you. But if you're not programmed to see it perceptively, you'll see what you don't want instead of what you do want. That's what keeps most people stuck. When they understand that law, they can start to conceive beyond what it is that they've been programmed to believe. And that's when things really start to change for them because all the resources, every opportunity that they want is around them right now. It's right there. Right there. <laughs> all right. 
Number three, everyone can be a coach. BS. <laughs> Talk about that. <laughs> I see a lot of coaches online, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot. There were hardly any when I first started, but they, yeah, I don't think that everybody can be a coach because number one, I don't think that everybody's supposed to be a coach. I think that you have to be willing to do the work yourself and have the result. And what I see a lot of going on today is the wanting the, re I want this result. So I'm going to be a coach in order, in order to get it, but they actually haven't gone and done the work themselves. So that's the issue that I have there. You mean a financial result? Any kind of result. Well, it depends on what the coach is. I mean, there's a coach for everything, right? So if you haven't done it or you don't know how to actually do it, just because there's people making, people perceive that coaches are making a lot of money. And the truth is, is that 90% of the coaches out there make less than $10,000 a year. Because they, they can't even coach themselves to be successful. <laughs> right. it, it's, it's pretty crazy, but it's actually true. Okay. Okay. All right. Number four, emotional security is dangerous. Emotional security is dangerous. I would, I would say, ooh, I don't know how to answer that. That's a, <laughs> you got me on that one. Emotional security is dangerous. I would say BS on that. I think that, uh, I think people, if they're not emotionally secure, that's that's dangerous because they end up making decisions from a, a fear-based emotional perspective. So I think I think emotional security is a good thing, but emotional security based on truth, not based on on falsehoods or superstitions. Exactly. That, that's why I asked that question because it's kind of you can go either way with it. You because, could because I know that w when you're emotionally secure in others' perception. And that's your motivate. That's that could be a problem. Right. But if you're truly emotionally secure in your own self and your own abilities, then that could be good. Sure. So, yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Number five. Uh, David Nagel has fulfilled his purpose. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I, it, my purpose is is always evolving. So as long as I'm breathing, it's not it's not fulfilled. I'm doing it. I'm doing it every day, but it's not, it's not completely fulfilled. No. All right. Number six, full acceptance of words, actions, and deeds leads us, leads us to maximum personal power. Yes. Acceptance is the key there. Yes. Number seven, we can benefit from all experiences, good and bad. Yes. And my last one is number eight. This is simple, but it is worth saying. People are afraid of failure. No, BS. I don't think, I don't think people are afraid of failure. I, I think that's a misnomer. I think we're afraid of being seen as a failure because we fail every day. That's how we learn, right? So when, when we were kids, we weren't afraid to fall down. We just kept standing up, standing up, standing up. We kept reaching, grabbing, touching. That fear is something that is taught to us by the rejection or lack of acceptance that we experience by not doing the right thing. So it eventually, at some point in our life when we're small children, we have to be, we're taught to conform and we're expected to keep up. And when we don't, we're shamed and guilted about the failure that we have, like the big red F on our paper, instead of somebody pulling us aside and, and, and 
coaching or counseling us to find out what's wrong. You know, they, it's like, we, we got to get these students through this class. We got to get this person, you know, to where they need to go. We don't have time for somebody that's slower or that, that's having difficulty. So, you know, and it, it's shame and guilt. You know, it's, it's the, we're not born with it. We're, we're taught. We're taught that. So I think that's where people assume they have the fear of failure, but it's actually being seen as a failure that, that they're afraid of. Okay. You know, I, I, just a quick story. You know, obviously I'm, I'm a physician and people always ask me, why did you become a physician? And I said, well, you know, I was really good in science. And also I remember one day my dad just said to me randomly, you know, you'd be a good doctor. Just, just, just like that. And, you know, I've went through college, went to med school and now I'm doing all these other things. I'm doing this. I'm, you know, I'm making films, you know, <laughs> you know I'm writing, I'm making music, I'm doing all that kind of stuff. And I always wonder if, Maybe I was more in touch with sort of the things you're talking about, the things that we've been talking about this whole time, who I really am, what, what what's my real purpose here, that perhaps I would have gone a different route, you know? So it's interesting. David, this has been great. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. It's a cold day today in, in Gotham City, but you made it, but it you is. made it down. Tell the people how they can reach you, uh, how they can get more information about the materials that you offer and, and potentially even be coached. So on our website, davidnagel.com, we have a free download called You Were Born to Be a Success, which I truly believe everybody is in their own right. And they can go there okay. and they can start with that. And then there's all information about other programs that we're doing and contact information. They can get everything that they want on our website. You know, the other thing that I would add is that your journey needed to be what it needed to be in order for sure. You, yeah. You know, I don't think that there's any mistakes. Sure. Yeah, I do agree with. All right. Excellent. Thank you, David. My pleasure. Thank you, David's team, for coming. Thank you, Jeannie. <laughs> As I always say, the truth will set you free if you let it.